Hi, hello there. Welcome back. It's been a hot minute, probably longer than a minute. It's been a few months since the podcast has aired. And we are going to go ahead and say we are in season two. You might have also noticed there's some artwork changes, a title change, but we're back overall. That's the point here. Um, You know, I took the summer off intentionally to just give a break to the things that, um, not that the podcast wasn't serving me by any means, and I love it, and I love the guests that I've been able to bring on here, but I knew there was a transition happening with the content that I create, and I wanted to intentionally give myself a, a break and build a space that is, you know, diving deeper into the concepts that I want to be sharing with you all. Not that I don't want to share about speech language pathology and all of that, but I'm doing what some might call niching down a little bit because I, I have an intention. I have a goal here and a purpose. And this summer, I took some time to really focus on that purpose and opened up workshops and courses all about mindset, mindset and mindfulness, which we've already talked a lot about on the podcast. But I really want to be more specific with the conversations we're having. I want to hear other perspectives from professionals, SLPs, educators, and parents about how they're using these mindfulness concepts and their own journey and in the hopes of sharing with you and inspiring you all to, you know, take on some some of these strategies. And I would love to hear about those strategies as you work with them in your life. So, you know, always feel free to reach out. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm going to be bringing guests on here with those specific things in mind, obviously. And uh, I'm really excited. So let's, you know, now you've got the background, you've got the 411. If you want to check out those courses and workshops, uh, thanksmorris.com. There is a whole page now dedicated to services. You'll see a lot of changes lately because I have really revamped things. Um, The journals are still around. New shipment just came in. Things are good. Things in my personal life are transitioning, which very soon here you'll be finding out about. And uh, I'm excited. So let's get to introducing Bridget. Bridget Carp is my first guest of season two. I'm so excited because she's going to share her mindfulness journey with you and her perspective on incorporating mindfulness in sessions, in her speech therapy sessions. And um, I'm not going to do the whole introduction. She's going to share her her background with you. So let's get to it. Hi, Bridget. Welcome on. Thank you, Marie, for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode. I am too, and I was just telling you this before we started recording, but we are we are officially, I'm doing this. I'm just, I've transitioned the podcast to talk mainly about mindfulness and mental health and as a speech pathologist and as whatever it is that anyone does and wants to share their story, basically. So thank you for coming on, um, coming on here. I know we met, basically, uh, we connected because of this kind of stuff anyways in Rachel's empowered SLP course last fall. So I know you're here for the mindfulness. I'm here for it. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to you and just introduce yourself a little bit more and let us know what your background is in, what setting you work in as a speech pathologist and all that fun stuff. Sure. So as Marie said, my name's Bridget Carp, and I'm a speech language pathologist. I just got my C's last October. So This whole thing is sort of new for me, but I'm loving every minute of it. Um, 
I've worked primarily with middle school students, so grades six through eight, so your preteens and tweens and teens. They're a fun group, they have their challenges, but overall I've enjoyed it. I've also worked with high school students and grades three through five. So pretty broad scope, but all within the school system. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, on my caseload, it's a lot of articulation, which is my favorite area um, of speech and language, which I know is probably unusual, but I really like it. Um, I also have a lot of language students on my caseload, which can be tricky. Um, and then a lot of social communication and pragmatics. And so I'd say good portion of my caseload are those students. And I've worked with students in general ed, resource, mild mod SDC and moderate severe SDC. So really a whole gamut of disorders and uh, ages and classrooms. Yeah, that's really cool. I have, I mean, kind of similar, like I've worked a long, long time ago now in high school and um, have worked at different ages and things like that. Uh, obviously I'm in preschool now and have been, so like my brain is completely preschool lately, but I do have, I do, you know, have, uh, clients that I take outside of that. And I recently started working with, um, an Arctic, uh, client who is older, you know, he's 10 and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I forget, you know, and it's so good. It's really stretching my brain, but we're working on the R and I'm like, I have not worked on the R in three years, but it's really forcing me. Cause like, <laughs> I know you mentioned you love Arctic and that's, um, maybe doesn't, it's funny though. I feel like it's pretty 50, 50, like people really love language or they really love Arctic, I, but I'm trying to really force myself to like, not force myself to love it, but I'm trying to see like the language, the things I love about language in the Arctic, because I'm starting to see it more and more as I work yeah. with him. And, and um, it's all, you know, it's also important. And I love that, you know, what you love, and you're you own it. And I think that's really important as a speech pathologist. Um, yeah. and because when you work in the schools, like you, you're gonna work with all of it anyways, but it's good that you have a, a focus and a strength. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I kind of use as my little segue, not really a good segue into my next question for you, <laughs> but we are here to talk a lot about how we utilize mindfulness in our work settings. And so before I, we even talk about that, I want to know, this is my question. I ask everybody what mindfulness is, or like why mindfulness is important to you, maybe what it means to you. Um, because I think it can be such a subjective question. So I'm always curious to find out what what it is that rings true for you. Definitely. For me, this whole journey into mindfulness and mental health really only started a couple years ago when I started grad school. And where it started was with testing anxiety. And I knew for grad school, if I wanted to do well and succeed and complete graduate school, I was going to have to find ways to manage my testing anxiety, knowing that you can't get rid of anxiety. It's 
not something there's a cure for or that just goes away. It's more a condition that you manage. So I knew if I was going to be successful in grad school, I was going to have to find ways to manage it. And then as I started my journey, I was realizing more about myself and just mental health in general. So with that in mind, the mindfulness piece comes in where if we're not mindful of our emotions, our mood, if we're not being aware of how we're feeling, what we're thinking, we're going to see that when we work with our students. I know if I am stressed or anxious about something, whether it's work-related or in my personal life, it really takes a toll on my sessions and my effectiveness with the students. Whereas, you know, if I plan, if I engage in some mindfulness exercises, I'm much better prepared to work with students and just everyone benefits from my mindfulness. And, you know, just mindfulness to me means being in a mental space where not everything is perfect because that's, you know, just not possible, but you're in a place where you're managing whatever's going on in your life to the best of your abilities and just being aware of your strengths, your weaknesses, what you do well, areas you can improve on. So it's very broad, but also very specific to each individual, what mindfulness looks like, kind of like what you were saying. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love that you, what, how you phrased it, you, that whole answer, by the way, thank you. That was just so perfect. And like, for you, obviously, I'm not saying that's how everybody should think of it, but I, I just resonate with it so much because you really articulated how that self-awareness is a really big piece of it. But then you also talked about how it's not, doesn't mean that things are perfect. And one of the things, um, I recently did a training with, for, for other SLPs and was talking about this very thing. And somebody, you know, mentioned, oh, well, like mindfulness, um, might mean that you're happy all the time. And it's actually not the case. Mindfulness really is just that awareness of knowing, you know, I'm not feeling my best right now. Um, and, and that's really, you know, you think of mindfulness, like that's kind of what it is. It's that self-awareness. It's that, and that understanding of your environment and what's around you that maybe is causing that, or maybe what's within you that's causing that, how you're reacting and things like that. Um, so I just love that you said, it doesn't mean it's all perfect. It just means that you have that awareness and then, you know, you maybe know the steps to take next in order to, like you said, it's important because we bring this into our sessions we bring this into our, and maybe not even at work. Like, so it, that was, yeah, very, I liked it. You're way more concise than I am with, with talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) my brain maybe isn't so mindful when talking about mindfulness. I just like want to talk about all these little things. Um, I know. (laughs) So how do you, um, because you did also highlight the subjectiveness of this all. And for you, how do you find yourself incorporating mindfulness into your daily routines, you know, from um, maybe not necessarily from start to finish of the day, but just where does it pop up for you? Where do you where do you find it easiest to incorporate mindfulness routines and things like that? Yeah. So for me, a lot of my mindfulness is 
surrounded with technology. So I'm always on my phone. I think many of us uh, can attest to spending a lot of time with our phones on our computers and I'm becoming mindful about my tech use and you know I'm thinking about okay if I open this app I'm going to be mindful about how I'm using it and I have a lot of apps on my phone that are geared towards mental health and mindfulness so I'll just highlight two that I use on a daily basis that have really helped me uh, the first is Headspace it's marketed as a meditation app, but they continue to update it all the time. So they have a move section with all different types of workouts, everything from cardio to yoga and anything in between. They have sleep exercises, sleep casts, everything to help you with sleep. And um, the meditations are great on there too. And they have meditations for really anything you want to get mindful about, I guess is how I'll phrase that. So for me, someone that, you know, might struggle with anxiety during certain situations, or, you know, maybe I'm having an off week, or maybe I'm having a panic attack, whatever it is. I find that when I listen to a meditation, it brings me in into a mindful space where I can be aware of, okay, I'm having a panic attack or, okay, I'm having a major depressive episode. And, you know, it happens. It's not ideal. But with this meditation, I'm being aware of it instead of trying to push it away because it's not helpful to push it away. Um, and I didn't realize that until I really started my journey. I was kind of like, that person you mentioned in your training where they said like, oh, I thought it was being about being happy all the time. And that was kind of where I started too. like, oh, we should be happy. We shouldn't be feeling sad unless something very serious happens. Like we shouldn't be depressed if everything seems to be going well, but that's really not the case. Um, so I like using meditation, especially if I'm in a difficult place emotionally to bring me in full, into a mindful space. The other app I really like that I recently discovered through another SLP on Instagram, it's called Mooditude. It's like mood plus attitude. Um, and you can track your mood, you can track habits, which is kind of where that daily routine and that mindfulness piece comes in. So you can set habits or a routine for each part of your day. Um, so there's morning, afternoon, evening, and then night. So like right before you go to bed, essentially. And what I like about that is if even if I have a super busy day or I have something big coming up that day or maybe even the next day, I can go into that app and be mindful and, you know, say, okay, even though today's going to be a busy day or even though I have this stressful thing coming up later today, I can still engage in my routine and that's going to make me aware of how I'm feeling in that moment instead of stressing out or panicking about whatever is to come. So I do like those two apps and I use them in tandem and I think they have really helped with my mindfulness and, you know, again, everyone has a different way to practice mindfulness, different views on mindfulness. 
So, you know, even how I view mindfulness might be a little different than to how you, Marie, view mindfulness. But, um, you know, if someone's just starting on those on this journey of mindfulness, mental health, um, anything like that, I found these apps to be super helpful to me. So, um, you know, I think it's a matter of trying different things and seeing what works for you because what might work for me might not work for, you know, my friend or my mom or my sister. Um, you know, it's not to say that it's a bad way to go about it. It's just different for everyone. Um, so that's kind of how I incorporate mindfulness into my daily routine is through apps and, you know, bringing mindfulness into my routine, even if it's going to be a busy day. Yeah. And I like that you highlighted too, you know, that technology can be one of our main like stressors sometimes. So you figured out a way, kind of a hack, right. Into, um, you know, knowing what will work for you in terms of maybe how much time or what you're, you're spending your time on your technology you know, on, but also that you're utilizing it, you know, if you're going to go on your phone, well, great, but I have this headspace app that maybe I should use, or, um, you know, I sometimes for me, what helps are transition, transition strategies. So like if I'm going from a therapy session into an IEP meeting, for instance, if I'm at work, sometimes like I'm in therapist mode and I'm just not quite wrapped around it, you know? So I might need to, take, do like a box breathing session with myself or turn the lights off and close my eyes or whatever it is. And it's kind of the same, right? If you're on your phone and you're transitioning, you know, you were just scrolling through Instagram or you're not even just scrolling, but maybe you're engaging or you're posting and you're, you know, or, or, and then you're going to go and film content. Like for me, I have a hard time going back and forth. If I'm, if I'm on my phone, I get sucked in. So to have an app on your phone that maybe you could be like, Nope, I'm going to meditate. And then maybe I'll transition into being creative. Um, that could be really helpful. So I do like that you, that you mentioned that, and that you talked about how you use it through your day. It sounds like for you, it's something that's just kind of ongoing and you use as, use as needed, I guess. Um, yeah, I I do use it every day because I found that when I do, it really helps just with my mental health and with being mindful. And just this past weekend, I wasn't good at it. Well, I shouldn't say wasn't good at it, but you know, I had this routine in mind and it was like, okay, this didn't happen. And then it just kind of went downhill. Um, and that's okay. It happens. Um, so, you know, when I don't do it, I feel kind of like, not so good about myself. Um, but when I do use it and I use it consistently, I notice it really just helps with my overall mood and, um, yeah, I mean, you could use the app however best suits you. Some people, maybe if they're having a really hard time, maybe that's when they use the app and they only use it when they're having trouble. Maybe they're more like myself where they're using it every day, whether they're doing great or just okay or not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that too is finding that balance of and finding what works for you. Yeah. Um, just when you're trying to like figure out how is mindfulness going to benefit me, my work, you know, who I work with, all the good stuff. 
Yeah, no. And I definitely, and I totally meant like you have it for your consistent practices, but you also have it at hand when you need it to, I guess that's, that's more of what I was thinking. Cause you're right. Consistency. And I preach this all the time, you know, consistency with our mindset, mindfulness and mental health things is the key. I mean, that's really, you know, if you can practice this consistently, you've got the biggest cheat code in life, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, thank you for making sure you said the consistency word, because that's, that's really where it's at. Um, yeah. And so as a speech therapist, do you find yourself using these strategies, not only for yourself, but in your sessions? Yeah. So, um, I do use them for myself to prepare for that day or that week of sessions. And I also use not so much the apps. I don't really bring apps into my sessions, but a lot of the exercises from them. So breathing exercises. Uh, This past school year, I worked with a middle school classroom of mild to moderate students and a lot of them have autism as their diagnosis and many of them had behaviors that you know i'm used to them i see them but might be distracting to their other classmates might prevent them from really engaging in whatever it is that they're working on whether it's a class assignment or a class discussion. So a lot of times I'll just do a simple breathing exercise, especially if I see a student rocking back and forth, maybe they're bouncing up and down in their chair, or since many of them were at home, they would sit on their bed, which is fine with me. Um, You know, they might have these extraneous movements. Um, That's how they're stimming. And instead of, you know, saying, hey, cut that out, or like, you need to stop. We're starting speech. I'll say, okay, we're going to do a breathing exercise together. So then we're all in the same mind space. So even if me and the other two students are ready to go, we might have this third student that's really struggling. And instead of, you know, chastising them for whatever they're doing, you know, I like to bring it all together, all of us together, because we all benefit from the breathing exercise, even if we are ready to go. It just sort of calms everyone down. And then I'll let the student know, like, if you feel dysregulated, like if you feel like you need to, you know, get up and go for a walk or, you know, do something to help you regulate, um, or if you're struggling emotionally, whatever it is, I let students know, like, just ask me to take a break. Um, I've noticed a lot of the students They'll just take breaks without asking because they're afraid to ask Um, or they won't take breaks and I can see them struggling. So I'll ask like, hey, do you need a break? Like you can, we can do a breathing exercise. You can, you know, go use the bathroom, get some water. Um, So I do try to bring that mindfulness of, you know, how is your body feeling? What are you thinking? How are you feeling emotionally? And if you're good to go, that's great. But if you're not, which everyone does, um, and especially I've noticed autistic students I've worked with, you know, sometimes they don't know how they feel or, um, you know, like I feel kind of weird, right? Um, That's how they'll describe it. And when we do the breathing exercise or when we have an open discussion about it, they're becoming more aware. So I like to do breathing exercises with my students, especially when I see them struggling. Yeah, no, that's, 
it's such an interesting, not interesting, but like, well, yeah, interesting. And also it can be challenging. You know, it's, it's nice to hear it from you, like who works with older students, because I have preschoolers and it's, um, the concepts of emotions and feelings. Like when I ask how you're feeling, they're not always, they're so abstract, I guess I should say. So, you know, for, for my little ones, like they don't really know what I'm asking when I say, how are you feeling? Or like you even pointed out, sometimes we don't know how we feel. We can't, it's not, um, it's not a literal, it's not something you hold. It's not tangible. You know, it's this concept of like, I don't know, I'm crying. I don't know why, you know, (laughs) but, um, you know, so it's, it's sometimes that those mindful moments, I guess you could call them, um, they come from us just leading an example, you know, like you said, you might just say, Hey, you know, let's take a break. Let's do some breathing. And you're maybe not having to say like, we are being mindful, you know, you can, you can, you can start to incorporate those, uh, vocabulary words. Um, but even if you're just leading by example and letting them know it's okay, if you need to stop and take a break, it's okay. If we need to take a walk, like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that, you know, from in my program, I see a lot of like the take a break thing sometimes is, is the replacement for a timeout. And it has this negative connotation. So the kids are like, no, no break. And so I try to tell them, no, it's okay. You know, it's okay. If we need to go outside and take a walk, your friends might stay in class, but we can go walk. Um, and, and I think that like letting them know it's okay is probably the first step. Like you said, letting, letting them know we don't have to be scared to ask for the things that we need. Um, you know, and I think. With my older students too, what I've noticed is they'll be struggling with something. Maybe a family member passed away. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're doing poorly in school. And I think sometimes they just need to hear that someone else struggles with that too. And they're not alone. And I, you know, let them know, like, you know, if you're having trouble with something, whatever it is, even if it's not speech related, if you're comfortable, you can always come to me. And sometimes I remember one student in particular, um, he had a family member pass away, I guess the previous year, and that really took a toll on him mentally and emotionally. And, um, you know, he would say like, oh, I'm always really sad, or I'm always crying, or you know, something like that. And I would say, it's okay to cry or to be upset or to be grieving. You know, I do that sometimes too. And I think sometimes just hearing it from an adult, especially that like, you know, it's okay to do these things. It's not embarrassing or shameful or anything like that. I've noticed it really helps a lot of my students, especially when they're middle school or high school age, where they have a little more of an understanding. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, letting them know that you're there to help them, even if it's, you know, not speech related. Um, and just letting them know that, you know, it's okay to, yeah. to be feeling any certain way. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, just kind of brings it all together for me. It totally does, you know? And it, and I think like in asking that you, that question, like, how do you use mindfulness strategies? I mean, I love how, you know, these are things that you don't have to like, be like, okay, what's my mindful, you know, 
<laughs> mindfulness lesson for today. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a lot more like that where I'm like, it'll come organically. You know, I'm here to share these mindfulness strategies with the kids by, like you said, you know, leading by example, by sharing that I had, you know, I had a bad day or by sharing that. Yeah. I, I didn't think I could do it either. You know, things like that. So I love that, you know, it's, you're kind of highlighting that it's not something that you necessarily have to plan for. You just have to be there to be a good, you know, a listener and then acknowledge feelings and, and, and make connections that human connection. I mean, I'm big on uh, relationship. What is it called? Relationship-based learning. And that's mindfulness in a sense. So, um, I love it. So thank you for sharing all of that, Bridget. (laughs) I love it. And I, you know, I know that there's some good hacks in there for others that will resonate with people and they can use in their daily lives and their therapy sessions and feel inspired by you. So I appreciate it. To end the episode, I want to go into our own little mindful moment with gratitude. Of course, I wasn't going to get through the whole episode without bringing this up. Um, So we'll do a gratitude moment. So I'll ask you what's something you're grateful for. I like, I made it specific for us because I want it to be something that's happened in the last week. So we can together. And I know you are, I already know yours because we talked about this on Friday, but uh, (laughs) I, uh, yeah, if you want to share something you're grateful for in the last week, although by the time this episode airs, it'll have been a month away, but that's okay. We're not, (laughs) we're not worried about it. (laughs) I'll share two. The first one's pretty short. Um, As many of you know, Instagram is really like pushing video. Mm -hmm. um, And I recently reached 10K on a reel. Um, And that's just something like small, but it was exciting when I saw it. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, So I'm grateful for that and grateful for growth. Um, And especially just that platform in general has done wonders for me. Um, You know, I found people to connect with, whether it's about mental health struggles or SLP work or, you know, anything else really. My other one, um, speaking of like community is now that the pandemic is sort of calming down in a sense, um, you know, I'm able to go see people. Um, this last or past week, I went to lunch with an SLP grad school friend of mine that I hadn't seen in over two years because of the pandemic and just where we were living. So just to spend time with people and reconnect or just connect deeper with those that you're close with, whether it's friends or family or your pets. Um, You know, that's something I'm really grateful for is being able to come together to be with people in person again and to really spend time, um, you know, just sharing uh, with those people and just feeling the love. (laughs) for lack of a better word, as as cheesy as that sounded. But um, yeah, I'm just grateful for being able to spend time with people, especially now that I'm able to do it in person. Yeah. Nope. I, it doesn't sound cheesy at all. I think we, (laughs) a lot of us have been missing that. I mean, recently I finally got to get together with some family that I hadn't seen in a long time too. And it was awesome. Um, So yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Another big gratitude for me, and this is by no means a plug, because again, this will have aired way after this event actually takes place, but I uh, finally 
pulled the trigger, I guess, and decided to launch a free workshop, which I know you know about Bridget, but I uh, had been dragging my feet on this for a long, long time because I didn't want to do it alone. <laughs> and I knew I needed to, I knew I had a lot I wanted to share. And there's a lot that this, that, and you talked about the Instagram community, you know, there's a lot I've shared on there with them that I'd love to bring us all together to talk about. And so I launched it and within a day it filled up. So that was a huge gratitude moment for me just because I didn't think it would. I, I underestimated myself a bit. Um, yeah. So I'm super grateful for that. And it's, it's exciting and <laughs> all those fun I'm things. I'm excited for it. <laughs> I know. I'm excited to have you there. Um, it'll be, it's going to be great. I'm, yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I know what we're going to talk about, but I'm also like, I don't know what's going to happen. So, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was a huge, huge gratitude moment just because I'm just so, I'm grateful that there's a community that we have that wants to talk about this stuff, you know, cause yeah. it's always been since I was, um, probably around grad school, but even before that, but kind of like you said, where I realized like the, the self-reflection piece of our field and just as a person is how important that is for me. But I've always been big on connecting with others kind of in this deeper sense. And so I'm just, I'm excited. So yeah, other than that, um, Bridget, where can we, and I know I'm going to link all these things in the podcast notes, but, um, where can we find you, you know, all the, all the places, Instagram, all those things. All right. So I'll start with Instagram, uh, Bridget P carp. Um, and you can find the spelling cause you might spell it differently <laughs> how I spell it. Um, and then in my Instagram on my bio, I actually just kind of revamped it. Um, I have a blog, it's called Bridget's speech kitchen and, um, on the menu of that blog is links to my other social platforms. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. It's under the same name, Bridget Speech Kitchen. And um, I've had it up for a while, but I'm really starting to get into it now. Um, I have a TPT store that I'm starting to work on a little bit. Um, but if you're really looking for me, um, if you're like, where's Bridget Carp? Uh, Instagram's the best place to start with. Um, yeah. And feel free to DM me. I love to talk to people, um, whether it's about starting grad school or what to expect for grad school or, yeah. you know, ideas for speech therapy. So, um, yeah, that would be the best place to find me. But uh, blog and YouTube channel are both Bridget's Speech Kitchen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. It was so fun to talk with you. Thank you. This is great.